Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Anyway, it is early though, isn't it? 8am. Yeah, I don't know who arranged the podcast for this time. <laughs> There's one person you can blame for this. I'm not going to name who that person is. She knows. Is it because it's your wife? <laughs> she knows who she is, is what I would say. But again, not going to name names. It's all okay. And I'm not bitter about getting up at 8 a.m. on my day off. I will, I will say. Although I think it's also your day off, is it? Yeah, well, it's not my day off, but I'm working at 3 p.m., so. Okay. That's how dedicated. It's even worse. Because, yeah, are you going to go back to bed? Probably. I don't, I don't know what to do. Continue as, as I. Uh, uh, being waking, w- woken up or just going to sleep and mm-hmm. then come back to the late shift. You can always come babysit if you want. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not a kindergarten cop. No. <laughs> kindergarten cop. That's a movie I haven't heard in about four million years. <laughs> okay, well, it is early, but we'll crack on with the podcast. So joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football podcast is Lewis Ambrose. Good morning. Joanna Bueno. Hi. And Alejandro de la Cruz Diago Gonzalez. Hi, Ian. I really love saying your full name. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just, there's like a rhythm to it, like a really nice rhythm to it. Again, Lewis and Joanna, your name's mm-hmm. really pale in comparison to how interesting oh, to, uh, Alejandro's is. Uh, podcast at onefootball.com, get your questions in there if you have anything you would like to ask us. Now, Women's World Cup, and three words for you, Lewis. Football coming ah. home. Football's coming home. Football's coming yeah. home. Uh, I, what I liked, so England's, after they went 1-0 up on, uh, what day was it against Norway? Oh, the days all sort of meld into one whenever, on these international tournaments. Whenever, I think it was on Thursday. Whenever it was, within about seconds of England scoring their first goal, football's coming home was trending on Twitter. It was amazing. Yeah, it's become a bit of a thing now, isn't it? I didn't think Bill and Skinner would have such an impact on the late 2010s culturally but um, last summer seems to have sparked something there's also a Brexit version of this song I don't know if you I don't want to hear that no (laughs) basically well you can imagine how it is yeah Yeah. it's it's not very good Uh, so we were unsure about this I'll be going home soon (laughs) you will (laughs) get kicked out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we weren't sure about this one last week when we chatted, but England dominated Norway. Yeah, they did. There were still a couple of moments of last-ditch defending needed. But I think compared to the, the Cameroon game that we talked about last week, where England took the lead and then didn't really know what to do with themselves, go for a second goal or mm-hmm. sit back and kind of try and control and contain the game. This time England scored and then didn't really let up. I think... An early goal can always change everything. It just destroyed Norway's game plan immediately. We spoke about Norway being able to defend really well and then counter-attack quickly. And as soon as they conceded the early goal, they were already fighting against the tide. So England then quite sensibly kept their foot on the pedal. They got the second goal as well before half-time and it was quite plain sailing, I think, for a World Cup quarter-final. 3-0. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah, without any controversy this time as well yeah I missed the controversy I'll be honest with you I'm happy Phil Neville didn't attack all of Scandinavia (laughs) Uh, their best performance so far I think yeah I would say so yeah yeah okay Uh, so five games five wins 11 goals scored only one conceded let's say it 
it's World Cup winning form, isn't it? Yeah, so USA. I think an even better record with their 13 goals in one game especially. yeah that doesn't count um, you got to cut that in half no it's, yeah. it's I don't know if it's World Cup winning form but it's definitely well you're, they're not in the semi-finals by mistake let's say that and this performance was the best probably of the World Cup so far Oh, of England or... Uh, no, of England's. Sorry, oh. England's best performance of the World Cup so far. Oh, I thought you were really going out no, there no. getting behind. The... I don't think Norway were competitive enough in the game to say that England were like amazing to win 3-0, if you know what I mean. And of course, the inspiration behind it all was David Beckham. David Beckham and Ian Wright were, were with the, the Lionesses the, I think the day before the game or the morning of the game they went and visited them yeah David Beckham had his photo taken with all of them him and his daughter were in the crowd with his mum as well I think mm-hmm. so Harper. very nice yeah it's the only Harper and Brooklyn I don't know the rest of them no come on Ian anybody else name there's Romeo I think there's a Romeo there's yeah. a Romeo yeah, Cruz I think what Cruz as in C R U I S E? No, as in C R U Z. As in cross. As in Cruz, like in Alejandro's name. Like in my name. Oh yeah! Hey. No. Do you think you were the inspiration? You're, you're a secret no. Beckham. Are you a secret Beckham? <laughs> Absolutely fan? not. But he played for Real Madrid. Yeah, and I have a lot of respect for David Beckham because he played on Real Madrid. But you're, he's but not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you just have respect for him because he played on Real Madrid? Yeah, and, and admiration because he was very professional all on the years he was in Madrid. Mm. Even uh, all the gossip, gossip press was following his wife more than David Beckham. There was a lot of gossip around him at that time. Yeah, too. really. A lot. But I think he did... I mean, we, I don't want to go too far off the no. tangent here. But I feel like, along with Kaká, as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, David Beckham, criminally underrated player. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going back to the actual England team, Lucy Bronze, standout performer? Yeah, of the tournament so far. Just a complete perfect modern fullback she can defend one-on-one brilliantly she is arguably even England's best attacking player or most important attacking player as well especially playing on the right with Nikita Paris who's been really really impressive the whole tournament so far I think that right hand side might be the best wing in the competition yeah, I was I was following Louis' statement, and it's for me it's more than Lucy Bronze. Nikita Parrish, one of the top players of this team, along with Stephanie Houghton. Mm-hmm. They're both probably and Ellen White's been brilliant in the tournament so far White. as well. It's a wonderful team. I think they can beat the, the USA if they have a small chance. Well, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Phil Neville, not one to go too overboard after a, a win, said that Lucy Bronze is the best player in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, he said that before as well. He said it months ago. Um, I don't know about that. There's a lot Can of a good, fullback a lot be the best player in the world? Yeah, of course. Why not? Well, I can't think of any other fullbacks who would be the best players in the world. Never really a fullback. I mean, it's look. We, I love a fullback as much as the next person. I, but I think there's, there was a time where, like, if if we weren't in this crazy era of Messi, Messi and Ronaldo existing, I think there was probably a time that people would have argued Philip Lahm and Danny Alves were the best player in the world if we didn't have like the insanity that is Messi and Ronaldo. But the thing is, on the modern football, you need to control all the spaces. And for example, and starting with the defense, having good fullbacks is key to 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 success. All the teams that, for example, in they have won recently, they have good fullbacks. 
Mm-hmm. So that's not. Uh, I understand the film level's statement about uh, this player saying that she's the first fullback in the world. Okay. We, I think we used to think the fullbacks, fullback was the easiest position to play, kind of. And I think that's changed a lot. I think you need to be able to do everything to play there now. Well, we have the discussion these days that Van Dyke might win the golden boot, the, the golden ball, and he might, you know, um, be a competition to Messi in the best player award. I think, of course, you know, Messi will win because it's always between Messi and Cristiano, but he's done a great season. But this year? Are we talking about this year? Yeah. Uh, Messi can't win? Messi shouldn't win? Mm, I don't think so. His performance in... In the in in the Champions League, yeah, he only scored the most goals in the Champions League this yeah, season. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, in the key games. The but this key. is another. This is another. Well, we're topic. getting off. We're getting yeah. off topic here. And besides, the right answer to the Ballon d'Or winner this year is James Milner. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that one. Um, Ellen White, did she mean it? <laughs> uh, no, but she'll be very happy that Joe Scott tucked it in afterwards. Did you see this? Yeah, it was so crazy. <laughs> I I think it could be an assist. Did you see it? No, I didn't. So what happened to us? She sorted the ball. Uh, yeah, the ball was caught the- back from the right wing to Ellen White, who went to shoot and just completely missed the ball. Um, but Jill Scott came in right behind her and reacted quite quickly, actually, to to still put it in the far post. But, um, i got to give yeah. White the benefit of the doubt here and say that that, oh. was a, that was a training ground move that they had been working on, and then it came off beautifully. I don't think Ellen White would pass up on a goal that easily. No, she probably wouldn't, would it? We were debating in the office what you actually call this when somebody goes to kick the ball, completely misses it. I would call it an air shot, but somebody else was saying fresh air shot, and then other person was saying swipe shot. I would call it an air shot. Air shot? Yeah. Okay. That's the definition of it. Uh, so, USA in the next round. Yeah. If you were Phil Neville... Just put yourself in Phil oh, Neville's. Oh, put yourself no. in Phil Neville's boots. You've got that new haircut. You've got the waistcoat on, even though it's four million degrees in France. <laughs> How would you set up against the USA? What can they do? It's that right hand side again with Lucy Bronze and Nicky to Paris, especially because Crystal Dunn's playing left back for the USA and is naturally a forward, and Jill Ellis is playing her left back because she's just trying to cram as many attacking players in the in the USA team as possible. So I don't feel like I feel like the France game was the first time Crystal Dunn was really tested in this tournament, and she didn't always look convincing. Mm. So I would yeah keep it tight don't or try to you can't just not do it but I think the longer the game's nil-nil the better chance England have I think we saw that between USA and France the other day as soon as USA took the lead they they just are good enough to be able to sit in and keep the opposition at bay and stop them from creating any good chances so I think as long as England don't go behind and they get the most out of bronze and Paris on the right then they've got a good chance Okay Who saw the USA game? I watched it. I did. Oh, lovely. It was described as the biggest game in women's soccer history. I, t- I took that quote from an American thing. That's why it says soccer. The biggest game in women's football history. Did it live up to the hype? Media, on, on media terms, yeah, because it was probably the, it was the, the, most, women's, the most seen women's game in France. It made also a, a, a TV rating record in the US. Uh, the stadium was full. 
So probably in media terms and on terms of expectation, yes. What about football terms? That's what football we're terms. In. I think that uh, USA uh, got advantage in the in the fifth minute, make it uh, almost a easy way to the US. Even for me, they are not convincing me the 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 Jill Ellis team this the, on this World Cup. Oh, you're They're still not, not convinced. No, they go out and they beat the hosts two one. And yeah, still not but suffering and with a penalty that it wasn't called, uh, and it was a clear penalty in the in the in the 86 minute. So, okay, the USA it's it it's, it still has a, a strongly team, very strong team, but they need this lack of they need this point of being more bigger than than the other ones that they, that make them, for example, world champions in four years ago. Mm-hmm. Vice World Champions eight years ago. I mean, I miss that in the in the US in the US women's national team. Okay. Are you similarly as disappointed with USA? Well, yeah, I say it was not the match I was expecting. You know, because of all this hype and both mm-hmm. teams being very good and favorites to win the, the final title and everything. But it was a good match, and I think that USA is very efficient. Like. They scored the match. They scored right in the beginning, and they kept control of the match. But France had more pos- most possession, and everything could turn at any point. But then, the soon the soon as they get another chance to score, they do it, and they do it be- beautifully. So I think they're very very efficient. They have deadly counterattacks, and England should keep their focus the whole time because you know if you lose it for one or two minutes there, you might get like Megan Rabinow as fast as a wow. bullet, and then. God knows what happens. Did you think France were a little bit overwhelmed by the occasion? You know, USA looked quite relaxed. France looked very tense. Even from the walkout, they looked very yes, tense. Yes, I do. I think they were a bit nervous, and I think that the team is very good, and French uh, women's football has been developing very fast in the last few years, but they missed a bit of experience there, and that's, you know, ex- USA has experienced a, a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the, the key element in the match. And also there was there was there was too much pressure inside the French national team, playing at home. All the media focused on France. All uh, men, even even some comparisons with the nine, France '98 uh, World Cup. So that Never sometimes helps. is 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 uh, something that hurts you. And France got hurt. And the, the only moment like the goal going in can just dictate the whole game as well. Like if if the free kick is blocked or saved, and I don't think Megan Rapinoe was shooting. I think she was hitting it low and hard and hoping maybe it can go in. Maybe somebody gets a touch on it. Like it's just a difficult free kick to defend, but not necessarily. She's trying to do exactly what came out of it, and yeah, and then just a, a moment like that, and suddenly the task after just a few minutes is so much harder to come back mm-hmm. and try not to give up that one counter attack where you go two 0 down, and it it does just naturally make the game really tense. I think for the team that's one down, right? And and I think that's where the experience counts because if you have like emotionally maturity to to just turn on the game afterwards, it's okay, but. You get one nil in five minutes with a goal that was a bit weird because he passed the ball through everyone. And if the players are young and they're not so experienced, then it makes a big difference. And you got that home pressure on you and everything like that. Yeah, that's not very good. Uh, we mentioned uh, Megan Rapino. Who wants to talk about how great she is? She is amazing. I, 
absolutely think she's brilliant. She's brilliant. She's not only a good player, an excellent player, but she's a leader. She's a natural leader. She speaks up off the pitch as well. And in the pitch, you can see that everyone looks up to her. And she is like, I would say that she detects the rhythm of the, of the USA team. She's amazing. And she has this ability of just showing up out of the blue. And oh, her timing, her timing of her runs is amazing. Timing is amazing, yeah. and the free kick. I don't really think she meant the goal over there, but then everything seems to work out fine for her. Yeah, I don't know. If, did anybody read the article on ESPN about her? Uh, basically, her brother. Uh, did you yeah. read this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Her, also, her, I, I read this. Marca did also in Spanish the version of that. Do you want to do either of you want to give a quick history because you'll tell it better That's than her I Her brother has been in jail for more than twenty years. Mm-hmm. He was his was before when he was young, and now they. She's very attached to the brother, mm-hmm. and he is so proud of her now. Mm-hmm. And you know, she he inspires her in a, mm-hmm. in a while. And the brother was part of like a, a Nazi gang within prison, and had all these you know swastikas tattoos and mm-hmm. lightning bolts on his fingers. And but he was also the 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 crucial part is that he was also the one who taught her how to play football when she was younger. It's an amazing piece. They got the full history on ESPN. I I, I forget. Forget the name of the other. I'm sorry, but she has also been involved in more goals at the tournament than any other player. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's probably it's uh, I, the the version of how Megan Rapinoe is. She's not only a goal hunter mm-hmm. that she is. She hunts. She lives in the in the box hunting for goals, but also she generates the goals. Probably. And she takes penalties, which helps in this tournament. Also, penalties. <laughs> yeah. And she hates Trump. So, you know. Which is also yeah. positive also point for her. Also positive, yeah. Oh, sorry, any American listeners out there who might be, you know, that way. <laughs> uh, given the conditions, the heat, Lewis, you think the extra day will make a difference for England? It has to. Uh, I don't know. No. Oh. I'm not sure. I think... Is this you trying to play it down again? No, because there's still been... It's still a few days break, like the difference between three and four days. It's not like somebody's playing off to just two days. Yeah. So I think you have three or four days of a break and yeah I don't think so I think more of a difference is that the USA had to be switched on for 90 minutes against France and uh. England against Norway by half time or definitely by 60 minutes the game was kind of in the bag um, I think that could be more of an impact on the game than the extra day's rest okay. but okay. at the same time I think that uh, in this World Cup we can see that the physical preparation is making a difference for some teams you'd see for example Italy was completely dead mm. at the second half against Netherlands and the USA they don't seem to get tired at all it's amazing I don't know how they do it I get tired just walking never mind yeah, uh, so playing in that I heat. think the extra day with this temperature might make a difference but maybe not against the USA uh, you mentioned Italy Netherlands who saw it? I watched also Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Netherlands, but uh, the thing is, Italy uh, had the, in, the enough gasoline to continue in the game yeah. against the European champion, and Netherlands that is performing probably also is one of the dark horses of the tournament. Uh, Italy had no chance, even if they played the Italian way, uh, but it's Netherlands. Finally, they will... Uh, opened uh, opened the lock of the of the Italian defense and yeah. as, as it happened, I think really uh, that was the the key thing, wasn't it? The fitness told in the end that the Netherlands player. I mean, if I'm right, the many of the Italian players are not professional, which would yeah yeah you know, also, affect their standards. No, but it's good because Netherlands is probably one of the countries that is, for example, one of the the fan the 
the fan groups that uh, we are watching the, giving the most colorful mm-hmm. stance in the in in in, the, in, the, in this in this World Cup. So th- that is also it makes a difference in uh, thanks to the Euro of two years ago. Mm-hmm. It was in, in the Netherlands. which they won. And, and hosted, yeah. And hosted, and hosted. So yeah. it, that makes make the tremendous boost of the that's women's football. Uh, finally, to Germany, Sweden. I know who to blame for this defeat. Me too. Yeah. Is it is she Martina Postekelem? No, it's no. Ian. It's me. I got so excited about them and I talked them up so much that I think I put a curse on them, or maybe it was bad defending. Was it bad? Def- you're nodding your head. It's bad defending. Yeah, bad defending and and a, and a bad uh, thinking of the game against Sweden. Go on. For me, the, uh, Germany ha- was on the lead early, and after that they, they should have just run for to continue beating Sweden because after the goal Sweden was out. Mm-hmm. But a mistake on defense, Sweden didn't uh, didn't. Uh, Fail, so they tied, and that is an extra moral to the to the Swedes that also they were facing a kind of a malition against against Germany. They lost of the last uh, seven international games in competitions. Mm-hmm. I think they lost six out of seven of them. Yeah, I don't have the the, the concrete uh, the. I will back you for it. Go on. Yeah, the stat, okay. but. I think Germany underestimated Sweden. Oh, yeah? Also that. I think so, because I think Sweden was not one of the favorites and had not played such a good football so far. And they went in as, you know, they're Germany, they're going to win, they've been champions before, and I think they were underestimated. And then the the second Swedish goal in the beginning of the second half, it just killed them. You didn't see Germany do anything after that. And Sweden could have scored one, two, maybe three goals afterwards. But they did create a lot more chances than Germany. That happens when you have a player like Black Stenius in your team. How good is she? She's probably the best player of Sweden, along with Kosovar Aslani. Mm-hmm. And they are both the, the, key play, the key players of this Swedish success. Eight years, eight years after, they are, they are back on a women's uh, World Cup semi-final. Yeah. Does this qualify as a shock result? A uh, it's not like a huge shock. Yeah, shock I is a bit say. of a strong word. Okay. Unexpected. But especially like Germany, we talked about Germany the other day and how they've done so far, but they did also come into the tournament for the, one of the first times in the Women's World Cup, not as one of the favourites. Mm-hmm. The players were quite relaxed and sort of the last couple of tournaments had gone so bad, except the Olympics went well, but the, the last World Cup, the last Euros went pretty badly for Germany and it was like, okay, from the public as well, there's not so much pressure this this time around. Like everybody's usually expecting Germany to win every single tournament they enter. But yeah, this time a new coach, Martina Vosteklenberg is the third coach since the World Cup qualifying yeah. Third, yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah, I don't think there was a huge expectation on them. It's quite a young team as well, mm-hmm. and they'll be better in a couple of years at the next Euros. Quarter final in the World Cup for a young team. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, but I think it's still shock because Germany is. Oh, okay. Is the, so he's using the word shock. Is the is, is the biggest powerhouse in European football, in European women's football? I mean, uh, they have won. Seven seven euros, but on the last performances since uh, Rio, Rio, uh, Rio Games in 2016, they were so disappointing. 
first with Steffi Jones. That she, she was sacked in the middle of the World Cup campaign qualification. Never a good look. It, it was probably the most disastrous Germany I've ever seen in years after, but I know after I know, Did you see Russia 2018? That wasn't good either. Well, I mean in women's football. <laughs> oh, no, women's <laughs> but uh, I mean that after Sylvia Knight is uh, is a very a very a very high bar to 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 jump. But after uh, after uh, Steffi Jones came Jorge Schubert, the under 21, the former under 21 national team head coach. He did a quite good job. I, 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 I didn't understand why he was he retired just before the World Cup. Because yeah, he didn't want he didn't want the job permanently. He just kind of took it over for the end of yeah. World Cup qualifying, and they wanted Martina Vosteklenburg to take over, but she was leading in Aus- Switzerland. Switzerland through their own World Cup qualifying, and she mm-hmm. said she wouldn't leave them like halfway through the qualifying campaign makes sense and she'd take over Germany before the World Cup instead so yeah she's the third coach since since then she's only had a few months really before the tournament to actually work with the players on a couple of different international breaks so give it, they'll be a lot better in two years okay so the draw for the semi-final is as follows Netherlands v Sweden England v USA well, let's go around the house Netherlands v Sweden Netherlands. Yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Come on, Alejandro. Yeah? Netherlands, yeah, is the European champion, so... Lewis, you're nodding. Netherlands, yeah. Wow. Not often we get all... uh, Last time that happened, we all said Germany would win, so... Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's switch there. Yeah, congratulations, Sweden, on making it to the... We're sending Sweden all the way to the final. Yeah. You can send us a care package to say thank you any time. One football. Berlin, etc. Okay, now the, this, we're gonna, we'll do the same one again. England, USA. I'm sorry, USA. You don't need to say sorry. No, it's no, fine. It's okay, I know we're, I know what Lewis is going to say. Alejandro? England. Do you want to give me a score? Oh, wait, In- sorry, you just said England. Yeah. I just assumed <laughs> you, you would say USA. Even- <laughs> sorry, go on. What's, I, then I definitely want to score. England on the extra time. 1 0. I don't know the result, but in England will will win on the extra time. Can I before again? I'm building this up for Lewis's answer. Can I get a score from you as well? Okay, two one. Two for one to USA, USA, not England. Lewis, England what? on penalties. <laughs> wow, that's you. That's what you're going with? Yeah, I think so. Oh wow, I did not expect that. I can't see either team keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be a close one. But I think so. New and then. No, I can't see either team keeping a clean sheet. Some, yeah, maybe two-two after extra time, and then England on penalties. Jeez, that's not bad. No, that'd no. be a good game. I'd, yeah, yeah I'd take that. <laughs> so if that's if I can promise that's what's going to happen, you're yeah. definitely going to watch it. That's yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, as we say each week, Podcast One Football is a place where you want to send any questions you might have. Alejandro, you want to talk very briefly, yeah, about very very briefly about Spain and the under twenty ones. You've got 20 seconds. We got future. That is the that is the key, the key the key headline. We got future. We are uh, this team has been dumb, has been has been growing after the first defeat. Uh, the co- we have a proper coach in the bench. Uh, Luis de la Fuente is probably the, he can be probably the next Spain national team head coach. Mm-hmm. And what more? For Fabian Fornals Ceballos. Think that Fornals is going to play in West Ham. Fornals is signed for West Ham. Yep. Oh, that is happy hammers. Yeah, happy hammers, and mm. that 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 means the level of this under twenty one team. Yeah, it's pretty high. 
Uh, for those who missed out, they won the Euros last night. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Who were they playing? Germany. Germany. 2-1. Oh, not a good weekend for Germany. Yeah. Anyway. But no, but Germany still has has got very good players. Yeah. Uh, Eggenstein. That just uh, sounds very patronising yeah, now. Just a little, yeah. Eggenstein. Just uh, not quite as good as us. Balsmith also, the, mm. the Freiburg striker. Jonathan Ta, the, the, the centre-back also was pretty oh, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, just one Brazilian in the podcast this week. Hey. Just one, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but almost no Brazilians in the Copa America. Oh Paraguay. Yeah. To penalties. Go on, what happened? Well, at least we passed. You know, the last two Copas that we faced Paraguay quarterfinals in penalties, we lost. One of them, mm-hmm. we didn't even score any of the penalties. So, <laughs> you know, that was a relief. You enjoyed the game so much that you fell asleep? Yeah, in the second half. It was impossible to keep watching. That was the level of the game. I mean, that was the level of the whole quarterfinals. Because even the only match that was not nil-nil, that was Argentina, it was terrible as well. So, oh my God, what's going on okay, with so the, South American football? The major talking point from Brazil making it to the semi-final of a Copa America is that the match was really boring. The match or was, was there anything really else? Boring. Uh, I, Brazil, the match before that against Peru, it was 5-0 and it was like, okay, so Titi found the best, you know, the best formation and the teams went back to playing good and that was, and then I don't know where it went. It just disappeared. It was a terrible match, again, with very few um, goal chances, and you couldn't see, like, Coutinho disappeared, and even... Uh, that's, Everton, unlike, that's unlike Coutinho, to just disappear no, like in, that? in the national team, no, that hasn't been happening for two, two oh, years. Okay. And, and then Everton was the only guy, again, the only guy trying to do something, but then he couldn't score, and when he passed the ball to someone else, it's like, where is it? You know, nothing happened. I mean, Brazil was trying to play very much through the center, and the wings were empty, and they couldn't do anything. It was just, I don't know. I mean, we're, the thing is, we're playing Argentina, and they haven't been playing well as well, so that's the only relief we have, because Brazil's been, I don't know. There's no football there. Oh. What's happened to Brazil? Well, um, Titi, maybe. That's okay. what happened. He's the, he's the one to blame. Um, yeah, 80%, I would say. Could we also blame the pitch? The pitch was terrible, but the pitch was terrible for both teams. So we can't really blame the pitch. But but it ruins the flow of the game. Messi yes. was also complaining about the pitch. If the yeah. pitch is bad and you're defending, I think yeah. it's a lot easier than if the pitch is bad and you have the ball. Yeah, but if you're Brazil, five times world champion, yeah, you've got yeah. all these talents and you're going to blame the pitch, I think it's a bit too much. But also you have in front Paraguay, okay? It's Paraguay, but you know Paraguay, it will complicate your life. All, all the times they know they they have um, a unique. Way that sounded to play. like a wider statement than football. <laughs> yeah, that that should be the slogan for the country. Yeah. Paraguay will complicate your life. <laughs> be a good. Slogan no, but I mean, for example, they 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 know they know his system very well. Even even now, if they have Berizzo, but they don't play on a, on a Berizzo style. But but they play, for example, on the big games against Brazil. Uh, taking the best from the resources, for example, in in the defense, having this young kid Arzamendia, that is probably one of the best youngsters Paraguay is having. Also in the middle with uh, Darlis González and Miguel Almirón, that they are more stoppers, and they don't have any any big forwards or any big uh, any big strikers. Mm-hmm. So their their biggest powerful is the defense, and oh, since God. that. They can 
they try to get some point and they almost beat Brazil in the penalties. Yeah, well, the only hope I get for the semifinals is that Brazil usually plays very bad against bad teams, smaller teams, and plays better against good teams and teams that go forward. We play better in counter-attack and everything. So let's hope that against Argentina we can play a better football than that. But, you know, Argentina just being Argentina, not because of the football they're playing. Yeah. Richardson? Oh, so bad for him, right? Oh, you got to feel bad for Richardson. Yeah. How did he... What, what happened to him? He got the mumps? He Is got right? the mumps, yeah. But he's, he, he's still officially not out of the team. I think right. maybe they're waiting for him to get better, might play the final mm-hmm. or the third place. How old is he? I have no idea. 20 21. 21, I think. I didn't know you could get the mumps at 21. I didn't know you could get the mumps still. Yeah, right. I, th- I thought <laughs> yes. that was gone, right? I just thought that yeah, wasn't a thing too. anymore. Uh, Argentina, Venezuela. How would you describe the win? Much improved? No. I mean, Argentina still sucks. Oh. Uh, I guess wow. I think they just... I'm surprised we haven't got more complaints from Argentina. Maybe we don't have that many listeners out there. You're just telling us that they suck. I think they're also very disappointed about their team and they're agreeing with us. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Because they haven't blamed anything. It's just like uh, I can't really say much because of Brazil either. But it's just you've got Aguero, you've got Messi. I mean, still they have, at least they have the whole team. No. You know? Oh, Lautaro. No, he's the best player he's, so he's far. The, he's the key man of the new Argen- no, Argentina. No, of course, Argentina only passed through the, the the stage that they are right now because of him. But what I'm saying is that the team has really good players and they just don't function as a team. Yeah, it sounds I'm like Argentina's a, old, age-old problem. I'm going to say an unpopular opinion. Uh-oh. Argentina plays better without Messi. I think Messi time in the Argentina national team is over. He should give us. But when he retired, they didn't win a game for ages. Like no. they were on the on the verge of not qualifying for the World Cup when he wasn't playing. I don't think Messi's playing well, but I don't. Are you sure? I don't think if you take Messi out, the team gets better. Yeah, well, World Cup qualification. I'm just talking about the, when when they actually did play without him for the World Cup qualification when he he kind of retired from international football after the the last Copa America, and he stopped playing for the national team, and then he came back because they were not going to qualify for the World Cup. I tend to agree with Lewis and also I don't think Messi is the problem. Of course, he hasn't been playing well, but he's still Messi. You know, he might do something at some point and just turn the game around. But yeah, even if that's it, why. That's why. Yeah, but even if it's even if he that's the point that he's still Messi and that he distracts other play, or, or, other opposition players, right? Yeah, as well. That's it. And that's why Yeah, if Lautaro is playing so well. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is uh, Messi uh, all the atmosphere that brings into a team, they put so much pressure on on the team, and and also for uh, joining Aguero and Di Maria for me is not is not the best option for this young team of Argentina. So that's why I say it's the time is over for for me. Messi's time on, on the national team should be over and give it loud, give give the ball to Lautaro, Lochers, or Paredes, mm. all these players that. They are performing so well. They are. They can also win and do and do World Cup qualifications in a future. Well, I would argue that playing Martinez, Aguero, and Messi is not particularly a good idea because that's three players who won't track back. 
I don't. And that, you know, I know he plays. Uh, I know he plays a slightly higher defense to kind of close the space that, that they actually that one of them has to track back. But even still, that I don't think they have a choice. Because, no? well, you you can't if he's in the squad anyway. Like talking about if Messi should retire is a is a different conversation because right now he's in the squad and you can't leave him on the bench and ask him to play for ten minutes. And then if imagine if you're the coach and you don't play Messi and then you lose, <laughs> what the hell is everybody going to say? Well, Messi, so, but, but 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 Lautaro and Aguero are the only ones that are scoring, the only ones that are dragging Argentina through at the moment. Mm. So you have to play all three of them. Well, Messi but, Messi did say it, it's not my best Copa America. I'm not having the one I had hoped. So even he knows yeah, he's not. Because yeah. in the other ones, yeah. he played fine. <laughs> I thought I thought there was one. I can't remember. They lost to Chile in both finals, but I think it was the first one. And Messi like dragged Argentina all the way to the final on his own base on his own basically. Um, and then the final was just too much. Chile were amazing back then. They won it two years in a row. Is that the one with the picture of Messi where he's crying? I think I, I can't remember. I can't remember if that was the second year or the first year. But yeah, that that I would picture urge was anybody to go Google, go Google this picture. It's Messi crying his heart out and Sanchez in the background just laughing away. But yeah, I think. In that, you can print it and put it on the wall in the newsroom. We might do that. In that, in that Copa in particular, he was brilliant, and the rest of the Argentina team was just completely hopeless. Now most of the team is hopeless, and Messi's not playing well as well. And it, yeah, that's just kind of a mess. Okay. Um, as a Brazil fan, is there anything that would about this Argentina side that would worry you? Well, I think we always have to worry about Messi, you know, because that's it. He's Even though he's rubbish, as we just but he's still Messi. And he can just have one moment. He can have one brilliant moment in the match and then just score this beautiful goal out of the blue and we have to worry about him. But as you say, like not a hundred percent all the time, all the players, because then you leave Lautaro Martinez open and everybody free and that might be a disaster. But I'm more concerned about the Brazilian team than the Argentinian one. I think oh, yeah. Brazil needs to improve a lot if they want to beat Argentina, even if Argentina is not playing well. Because to lose a semifinal at home, again, in the same stadium... Oh, I it's mean, the same stadium? The same stadium. Yeah, it's oh. the idea that to put the semifinal there. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Another 7-1 on the horizon. I imagine Brazilians and Argentinians watching their teams at the moment are both saying the same thing, that they're more worried about their own team than the opposition. Wow. What would I imagine there was another semi-final defeat in that stadium? They would have to actually destroy the stadium. But even if it's Argentina, if it's just 1-0, that's the worst defeat ever, mm. you know, just for being Argentina. Yeah, terrible. In the other semi-final, Chile-Uruguay... Uh, no, it wasn't Chile-Uruguay. Chile-Peru. Chile-Peru, yeah. Almost Uruguay. Almost, Almost Uruguay. Uruguay. Why, do the, why do the fans boo the Chile boss? I couldn't figure this out. Oh, the Brazilians boo anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we say that they boo even when they do like one minute silence for someone that died, they boo. Yeah? Yeah. It's a bit mad. Yeah, but that's true. This Chile side... I mean, they look identical to the teams that have been around for decades, or, well, let's say decades. As, as they haven't changed much, have they? No, no, I think it's, no. the, it's more or less the same team, but you get two differences, which is, first of all, the coach, you know, Sampali did a wonderful job with them, mm. and it's hard to follow this kind of things, and also the players are not in such a good phase as they were two, three years ago, you know. They used to play such high-energy football, players. And now all of them are old, so exactly. they can't. But the thing is that when they wear the Chile national team shirt, 
Sanchez and Vargas, they become others. For example, they have done a tremendously bad season with Manchester United and Tigres, both Alexis Sanchez and Eduardo Vargas. And they have, after, and when they wore this Chile, Chile national team shirt, they are yeah, two of the Especially top. Vargas. Yeah. Yeah. Sanchez was still playing football in Arsenal, but now he's just disappeared. And Vargas, with the Chilean shirt, yeah, he's a different player. And he's done it for years as well. I don't know if you remember, he was at QPR and he wasn't good enough to play regularly for QPR. And then suddenly he goes to Copa America and he's the top goal scorer was, and Chile win the tournament. It, was that the crazy years? Yeah, well, they're all crazy years at QPR. <laughs> and also, <laughs> particularly crazy ones, though. And also on a game that Chile Colombia that was crazy before before it started. Oh yeah. Because uh, the the bus of the Chilean national team arrived two hours late to the stadium. Mm. Yeah. It took two hours to make a forty minute drive from the hotel of hotel where they were. They had Sao Paulo traffic. Yeah. Not good. And even and even also the boss of security of Chile almost fight with the police in, inside of the stadium. What? I love the, Copa America. The, That's Copa America. The head of security of Chile, yeah. Why? Uh, after, uh, because of this uh, because of this thing of that Chile got late to the stadium, he was having an argument with the with the policemen of, uh, on the stadium that they, they 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 need to take him out because he was ready to 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 fight with them. See, the stories are better than the matches. Maybe we should just have the stories and skip the football. Yeah, especially when the football's yeah. at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Our time, yeah. Uh, Uruguay, Peru. I was talking to Daniel Kuda and Jordan b- b- uh, before this game, and I just assumed Uruguay would would do it. Yeah, me too. I mean, Uruguay and Colombia were the only two teams playing some good football in this tournament so far. But um, I think Peru was very. Uh, cautious against Uruguay they did play a good match not so good offensively but they had a few chances but the problem was uh, Uruguay had three goals disallowed and for like three three for one centimeter Mm -hmm. all of them uh, like just offside yeah they had actually I think they had almost ten offsides the whole match at some point they had eight and it was still like the beginning of the second half so um it was a good match. It was one of well, uh, one of the very few good matches in this quarterfinals, I think. But I think uh, Uruguay was not as efficient as they should have been, you know, especially when you have Suarez and Cavani up front. But you know, it was it went to penalties, and I think at some point Peru that was all they were wanting, you know, mm. like take it to penalties, and maybe we can get lucky, and they did. Yeah. With uh, Suarez missing the key penalty, yeah. but he got a message from Neymar the next day to make him feel okay. Mm. Yeah. So draw for the semi-finals is as follows: Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Peru. Uh, we'll go around this way this time. Uh, Chile, Peru, Peru, Chile, Chile. Okay. Argentina, Brazil, Brazil, Argentina. He's going with controversial calls today. I feel. He's he's Alejandro's you know ramping it up a little bit. No here. no no I think it's my opinion. That's your opinion. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brazil Argentina. Well I have to say Brazil because. No 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 look if I say it loud long lots of times maybe it will come true. No look you're in a you're in a safe place you can you can give your opinion. Look, nobody's listening so <laughs> fine you can say you can say Argentina if you believe no, no, that. No no Brazil because they won't know, take away your passport. True. I want to say it out loud so that it comes true. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. Do you want to give a score? I won't ask the others for a score. But one nil. One nil. Jesus saves again. Well, Jesus has not been doing anything. Well, he scored the winning penalty. Everton Cebolinha. Okay. 
Uh, that's all from us today. My thanks to Lewis, uh, Yuan, and Alejandro. We'll be back this week on Thursday. But Dan Burke will be in the house for that one. I've already earned a nice little holiday. I've been back for about a couple of weeks. Uh, so that'll be reviewing the semi-finals and course looking forward to the big one in the meantime you can get the back catalog on itunes soundcloud spotify wherever it is you listen to your podcast and if you want to get in touch you dress to do so it's podcast.wordfootball.com thanks brian